Isn't it good to sing the Christmas songs? My goodness, how beautiful that was. We open God's Word today to the Gospel of Luke, not at the beginning, but toward the end in the 21st chapter, beginning in the 25th verse. Luke 21, 25, you can follow along on the screen behind me or in your copy of God's Word. Luke 21, 25 begins, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the sea and the waves, men fainting from fear and the expectation of things which are coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, straighten up and lift your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and know it for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, recognize that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that the day will come not on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all the things which are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, how good it has been to enter into your house with fellow believers, to sing the songs of Advent and of Christmas, and to feel your peace and your wholeness. We thank you. We thank you above all for the gift which you have already given through Jesus Christ, your Son. The gift which allows us to come. He who sacrificed everything so that we might have a loving relationship with you. Now, Lord, in this season of Advent, would you draw close to us this day again? By the power of your Spirit, may we feel your presence, your love, your wisdom. And as we live through this time of Advent, help us, Lord, to focus upon you, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. Even this morning, even this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to show you uh, uh, just a very brief video clip. It, it may be confusing to you at first, but hang in there just for a minute. This was from a college football game in 2013 between Auburn and Georgia. I want to set it up just a little bit. There are 36 seconds left in the fourth quarter. That's all the time that is left. Auburn is behind 38 to 37. Let's watch the video together. Same defense, so. Three-man rush. 
Let's it go. That's probably enough. Now, some of you may be a little bit confused, and perhaps rightly so, because we know this is the season of Advent, and there is an expectation that we will open certain Bible stories, and Luke 21 just isn't it. Yet pastors and priests and bishops all around the world today will be opening this very passage on the first Sunday in Advent. This isn't what we expect. Here we have no smiling young Mary, a cooing baby Jesus, inquisitive shepherds, or singing angels. Why is it then that the lectionary opens this passage as the first in the season of Advent? And you know me, I like to throw you a curveball. So what's the point of this last video clip to show the last 60 seconds of Auburn's victory over Jesus. And so you may be asking yourself today, what did I say? Well, that's just not right. I wish I could have that 60 seconds back. We move forward. And so this is Christmas? Well, let me try to put this back. Let me try to put this passage in perspective by asking you, what if? What if as you were sitting here this morning or you were watching the Auburn-Georgia game with great anticipation and then something mystical and magical happened? What if instead of beginning at the kickoff and moving through first, second, third quarter, etc., you began with the last 60 seconds of the game, kind of beginning at the end? And then the game returned to its normal sequence, first, second, halftime, on to the fourth quarter, and then replayed that last 60 seconds. What if? Here's the question. If you watched the end and then went back to the beginning, how would that change the way that you experienced the game? Think about it. Perhaps you think it's a silly question, but hang with me just for a moment. I've thought a lot about this this week. How would it change your experience if you already knew the outcome? Well, maybe you would be able to watch the game with greater confidence, with, with peace, and with a perfect hope of the outcome. Perhaps instead of being anxious over every play, you could kind of sit back and just watch the artistry of it, how the coach put together the game plan, how the runners were amazing, the cutbacks, the, the long passes just the artistry of the game. You'd approach the game with certainly with a fearlessness, wouldn't you? You wouldn't worry, you wouldn't be any anxiety at all. In fact, you could make the most of your time. You'd know when it would be okay to take a nap, to go get a snack, and then be back for those important moments when something great was going to happen. 
And you would know that there was a great celebration ahead. Even if you knew there were going to be some hard hits along the way, you knew a celebration was at hand. Advent. Advent comes today. Advent comes from the Latin word adventus. It means coming. In Greek, it is the word parousia. Some of you may know that. It means the substance of God beside us. Isn't that beautiful? The substance of God beside us. And the season of Advent says that this is the time that we enter and re-enter into this time. Yet once again, how many Advents have we been through? When I was in seminary many years ago, Every once in a while, a professor would say something, and it was just kind of so startling that you had to stop and just kind of ponder it for a moment. And I remember one of my professors, he said, you know, we think of, of a time as kind of linear. You know, it's just one thing and then one thing, and it just kind of keeps going. He said that the Jews, especially the ancient Jews, didn't think of time that way. They thought of it more as circular, as, uh, as a cycle. And that's why the importance of the festivals, you know, they they would come once again. They would begin to re-enter, relive the time of the Exodus, all of the great important times in their history. And Advent is that for us. This is the time that we re-enter that time. We re-experience it once again. We have the anticipation, the remembrance, and the longing knowing that he has come and that he certainly will come again. The substance of God beside us. It is a season that is dedicated to contemplation, to remembrance, to repentance, and to a watchful preparation. What are we to remember? We are to remember what was. Do you remember what was? And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, and he says to us today, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. What is Advent? It is a time to remember what was, and it is a time to remember what will be. Revelation 1-7 says this, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will be on him. In my very first little country church, they decided that they wanted to have a, a large stained glass, uh, just almost a wall at the front of the church. And they said, Pastor Cal, we want you to pick out the stained glass. And I thought, oh my, that's too much for me. No, they said, we want you to pick out the stained glass for the front of that church. What a responsibility. But immediately, I knew what I wanted. And it was a picture of Jesus coming in the clouds, hands wide open. Because you know what, church? The next time that we see Jesus Christ, that's exactly how it's going to be. He says, Revelations 1-7 says, Behold, he is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. You see, I don't know the geometry of that. I don't understand how people all over 
over a circular world can see Jesus all at the same time. But Jesus does, and Jesus will. We remember what was. The angel of the Lord said, do not be afraid. And we remember today what will be. Behold, he is coming in the clouds. And yet here we are, seemingly kind of stuck in the middle between the first advent and the second of our Lord. And sometimes the truth is that we can feel a little lost, a little frustrated, a little alone. We can read the news and watch TV and understand that our our nation is in great trials. We can look around our community and see much of the same. And you know what? There are, of course, the secret struggles that most of us have that are seemingly too personal to share. And sometimes we can feel like a sheep without a shepherd. But Advent says not so. Advent says, for all who call Christ Lord, we remember what was and what will be. And we remember the advent of the Christ. Jesus himself says these words for us that are caught in the in-between time. There will be trials and tribulations. There will be challenges greater than perhaps we think we can bear. The, the scripture says this, there will be dismay among the nations, perplexity at the roaring of the sea, men fainting from fear, but not you, child of God. Not you who are children of the advent. Because you know what? We know how the story ends. Amen? I believe this time of Advent, Jesus is saying to us this, the very purpose of this passage, breathe easy, my beloved, for I have already won, and each one of us who calls Christ Lord has won through him. And so we see that there are trials and ripples around the world, and, but we don't see them simply as chaos. We see them as a sign. Then he told them a parable. Behold the fig tree and the trees, and as soon as they put forth leaves, you see it and you know for yourselves that summer now is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, that the kingdom of God is near. So we are not perplexed, we are not Shaken, we simply know that today is the closest day there has ever been to the second advent of the Christ. That's how we look at the lens, through the lens of all of the, the trials and what the world calls terror. We understand. People of faith don't deny that the world can be a difficult place. And we as people of faith don't get a free pass from the challenges of life either. Rather, we see them for what they are in the grand scheme of God's creation. The trials of the world simply remind us how deeply we still need a Savior. The tribulation of the world reminds us of our folly as we might act independently of our Father in heaven and try to be our own God. And yet we are still one day closer to the return of Jesus. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Until then, Jesus says in thir verse 34, Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down. 
Your heart's weighted down. I received an email beginning just about this time last year uh, uh, from, a, uh, from a dear friend who said she was struggling so with the season of Christmas. She just said, she literally said, I hate Christmas. Well, you know what? I hate some things about Christmas too. I hate all of the chaos. I hate all of the pain that we put ourselves through. All of the things that take our focus off of the king. I was watching television just this morning, and, and you know what? I was watching, I wanted to watch the news. But I got like one minute of news and three minutes of commercials. Have you experienced that lately? One minute of news and three minutes of commercials. And what I discovered was there were lots of things I needed. Just watch the commercials. And all of these things are going to make me happier at Christmas time. They promised me they're going to make me more attractive to Sandy. They're, they're, they're going to make me smell better, look better, feel better. Put me in debt. I'll be the envy of everyone. And the credit card company will love me. Be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighted down. With dissipation, that means to dilute this season, to dilute and take our eyes of those things that are truly important. Drunkenness, the worries of life. She said, I hate Christmas. Then you're looking at the wrong Christmas. And that the day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Be on guard, it says. You know what? We need to be on guard. You and I, in this season, we need to be on guard. Amen? All right. I just want to tell you, when I was in college decades ago, I had a friend, and he was a boxer, and he said, Cal, you, you know, you're a big guy. You should come box, too. And I thought, well, that's something I always kind of wanted to do. And so I went with him. I thought it would be, you know, I'll just kind of keep my distance. I, I won't get too involved. Well, I found I really enjoyed it, and I was going back every day. And the coach kind of took a little bit of interest in me. And, and so it wasn't long before the coach came up, and he goes, you know what? I think you're ready to box a match. I think you're ready to, you know, we're going to have this, uh, the, 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 this kind of thing where all these people are going to come, and, and uh, I want you to be one of the guys that boxes. And I thought, that's right, I'm ready. And so the day came, you know, and, and I looked across. I was sitting in my corner. I looked across. And, Man, that guy was big across from me. He was muscly. He was just muscly. And they said, don't worry. He is inexperienced, too. These are all inexperienced matches just like you. And so, and so I thought, all right, here we go. And so he got up out of his corner, and I got out of mine. And um, from the time it took him to get from the corner to the center, there were three thoughts that came very quickly to my mind. The first one is this, you know, most guys are right-handed, and so they'll get that left foot, that left hand out there. He didn't. He was like this. And, I, and, and just in that short time between the corner and the center, I thought to myself, he's left-handed. I don't know how to fight a left-handed man. <laughs> the second thought came very quickly, just almost immediately after. I'm too close to the floor. <laughs> I was on my knees. I didn't know why, I didn't know how I'd gotten there, but I just had that one thought. I'm too close to the floor. The third thought, immediately after that, there's something terribly wrong with my hands. 
they're swollen, they're puffy, I have no fingers. Well, those were the gloves that I had on over them, but I couldn't figure that any out. Because why? Because I was unprepared for the moment and because I had let down my guard. You remember that one, won't you? The Apostle Paul says to us, and I think it's so terribly important in this season of Lent, keep up your guard. Keep your focus in the right place so that you might have all of the blessings that God has in store for you. It's not about one more shiny possession, is it? It's, it, it's not about even Christmas parties. I know that Christmas parties bring joy. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a celebration here tonight. But this is the season of Advent. It's not the season of shop till we drop. It's not the eat till we're sick or spend until we're deep in debt. But the Advent of Christ calls us to, to set aside a time of contemplation of repentance, of remembering what was and what will be important. And because we remember the first advent and look forward to the second, why can't we go into this life with greater confidence and peace? Because listen, we know the outcome. We've already gone to the last page of the story. We know how this ends, amen? We should come with a great hope. On Wednesday, the staff and I, we were talking about the passage in preparation for this moment, and, and Rich said, you know, we hope differently than everybody else. Because we might say, you know, I, I hope this turns out well. I hope this game goes well. Whatever it is, that's not the way we hope. Because we hope knowing that Christ will return, knowing that he will come in the clouds with great power, knowing that he will be victorious, knowing that we will come with him or that we will meet him in the air. And so we can come with great joy, with confidence. And that should make an incredible difference in the way that you and I live throughout this season. Are you with me this morning? Amen. And we can just stop and savor the artistry of the creator and the creation. I, uh, I go on Facebook. I, I, I try not to post everything. My sons say I do too much already. But I was just watching some of, the, some of the beautiful pictures that you all were posting just over this last week. Uh, at the beach, next to a Christmas tree, in the mountains. You see, that's the season of Advent. We can stop and just celebrate the Creator and the creation. And we can go into the season not worrying, not having the anxiety. My goodness, how easy it is for us to get so caught up. Are you listening to me? How anxious we can come. I haven't heard it that much this year. So only so many days till Christmas. So many days till Christmas. That's the very thing that's designed to make us anxious. But we know how the story ends. So there is no need for worry. And even when there are trials, even when there are some hits between now and then, we know they are only a sign that we are one day closer to the return of Jesus. Jesus ends with these words in verse 36, keep on the alert at all times, 
praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Just a few days ago, I, I just love driving to our home. It's so wonderful. We lived in a parsonage. We were thankful for it, but now we have our own home, and it's such a blessing. We get to drive by, and as we're on the way to our house, we get to drive kind of in between two, lake, two lakes, you know, and uh, uh, a couple nights ago, we were driving home, and there was one house across the lake, and it was just lit up. I mean, I don't know what, if it's LED lights, but it is just Wow, you can see it from everywhere. And it was a reflecting in the lake, and it was, it was really beautiful. We all commented, and I just thought to myself, you know, in this season of Advent, if we would stop and prepare our hearts as much as we invest in preparing our houses, oh, what a different experience this would be. What a different community this would be. And you know what? I'm not too idealistic. It's a choice that we make to enter into this season with a spirit of contemplation, of meditation, setting time aside to prepare our hearts for the coming of the King. That's my prayer for you and I this Christmas season, that we would re-enter and relive this time with remembrance and a spirit of celebration. The king has come, and just as surely he will return. We can do this. Do you know why? Because you and I know how the story ends. Amen? Let's pray together. Good and gracious Father, we thank you for this opportunity to bow our heads and humble our hearts we thank you once again to be able to sing the rich songs of Christmas and to celebrate what you have done and to look forward to the day when you will fulfill every promise. We long for the day. Until then, Holy Father, by the power of your Spirit, help us to prepare ourselves so that we might be ready to stand before the King Help us, Father, so that our hearts might be our very best gift to you. We love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.